Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today's the Day Changemakers podcast. I am Jody Grinwald. This week, I am joined by my special guest co-host, Fred Waziak. Fred is the president and CEO of the Food Bank of South Jersey. Together, we interview Stephen Cohn, the author of Leading From Within, a guide to maximizing your effectiveness through meditation, the co-founder and chair of the board of Meditation for Leadership, which brings the benefits of mindfulness and meditation practices to the workplace, and manager of the global emerging business and technology practice at Morgan Lewis and Bacchius. Stephen talks about how he wants to make a difference in the world and how bringing a mindfulness practice to people where they are, mostly at the workplace, is very important. To him. He is able to do that through the work of Meditation for Leadership. To learn more, go to meditationforleadership.org. That's meditation, the number four, leadership.org. Renew, reset, and reinvent at the Virtual International Changemakers Forum on Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. Please go to todayisthedayliveit.com to purchase your ticket to this interactive event where we will honor my co-host of this episode, Fred Waziak with the Inspire Change Award. Join us for six panel discussions and a global mission moment, along with an incredible international networking opportunity. Join this global connective changemakers community and see how it will make a difference in your life. To learn more about the topics that will be discussed, go to todayisthedayliveit.com. Hope to see you there. Please subscribe to the Today's the Day Changemakers YouTube channel, stream this podcast on all streaming sites. Reviews and shares are always welcomed and help us to be heard. Like us on Facebook and Instagram by going to Today is the Day Live It. To learn more about Today is the Day Consulting and Coaching Services and the new Today is the Day Changemakers Connective, go to todayisthedayliveit.com. Sign up for our mailing list to be notified when new events and networking opportunities become available. Also, I am the CEO and co-founder of the Zach G. Applauder Kids Foundation. To learn more about how the organization is connecting children with a financial need to an ongoing creative outlet, go to applaudourkids.org. The views expressed by all Today's the Day Changemakers podcast guests are their own. Their appearance on the Today's the Day Changemakers podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. Have a great week, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today's the Day Changemakers podcast. I am Jody Grinwald, and every week I get to interview the changemakers, the inspirers, and those who are just disrupting the status quo in the best way possible. And today I'm super excited because I have someone who is co-hosting with me who is a mentor, an incredible human. He's also the Inspire Change honoree for the 2023 International Changemakers Forum, Fred Waziak, who is the president and CEO of the South Jersey. Food Bank, the Food Bank of South Jersey. Fred, I always get it the opposite way. The Food Bank of South Jersey. Hey, Fred, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Good morning to both of you. It's, it's nice to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. And this is our first time co-hosting, so this is going to be super exciting uh, for sure. And then Fred did an amazing thing. He introduced me to uh, Stephen Cohen. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good. How are you today? I am good. I'm good. And before we're going to get into this really dynamic conversation, I just want to let the listeners know a little bit more about you. Okay. So Stephen Cohn is the author of Leading From Within, a guide to maximizing your effectiveness through meditation, the co-founder and chair of the board of Meditation for Leadership, which brings the benefits of mindfulness and meditation practices to the workplace and manager of the global emerging business and technology practice at Morgan Lewis and Bacchius. Yes. 
Awesome. I got it right. And AM Law 50 Law Firm. Incredible. And for those who are watching via the YouTube channel, you can see, and I know, Fred, you have yours also. Uh, you could see the Leading from Within book right here. It's, it's a comprehensive book. We're going to get into what it's all about and why Steve wrote the book. But for now, we're going to start, Steve, as I always do, going a little bit back into your past and talking about where you were born and a little bit about your childhood. Sure. I was born in suburban Philadelphia and, you know, very typical sort of suburban, uh, I think, childhood. I, you know, played sports. I played Little League. I played high school football. I played tennis. Um, I was devoted to tennis and, and really, you know, some of the things that I, I later realized uh, were, were positive attributes. I really learned from team sports and, and from playing tennis and sort of the, the power of being in that zone uh, and, and concentration, but, but I didn't know how to get there uh, voluntarily. So back then though, was meditation even a thought process for you? Absolutely not. I, I was firmly in the, I can't meditate column. Um, and I never thought I would be able to meditate. I didn't know what yoga was. I didn't know what any of those contemplative practices were uh, up until really my mid thirties. And before we get to that, I just wanted to talk a little bit about your, your career path. So you're, you know, you, you're a, an attorney, Morgan Lewis. And so tell us about what kind of enticed you to go that route. Sure. Um, uh, I would like to say, you know, my childhood dream was to be a lawyer, but actually uh, my childhood dream was probably to be an entrepreneur and my uh, parents wanted me to be a lawyer and, and their view was, you know, if you go to law school, you can then do anything, uh, which might be true, except I started 33 years ago at Morgan Lewis and, and I'm still there. And uh, at my 25th uh, law school reunion, we had to each say something about ourselves that was unique. And so I, I said, I had one wife, one house and one job. And, and no one in our entire class could, could, could had that same categorization. <laughs> that wow. is incredible. Fred, do you have anything you want to ask um, from there? Well, you know, just, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but, you know, Jody, you asked about his thought of meditation. Um, I know there's a journey, and I was intrigued just by, you know, parts of your book telling your story. Uh, when you hit that 50 year old mark. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm going to start in the mid thirties if I can, because I was, I was, you know, chugging along. I was doing well. I became a partner at Morgan Lewis. I went up to uh, grow a Princeton office uh, for us. I was representing entrepreneurs, emerging businesses. So my sort of love of entrepreneurism uh, still carried through. And, and I, I get really passionate working with passionate entrepreneurs, which I love. Um, but I was having a problem, which is I was having these debilitating back issues. So I would have these muscle spasms that at first came periodically and then came regularly and then came almost weekly. Um, and I could be out for a day. I could be out you know, for a longer period of time. And for about a five-year period of time in my late 30s, I had back pain every day. It was just a question of where it was and, and how, how bad it was. And uh, 
it wasn't really until years later that I realized that I had a, a life problem masquerading as a back problem rather than a back problem. Uh, and the way that I sort of saw, I, the way that that transpired is a friend of mine brought me to a yoga class. Uh, it was right around the year 2000, uh, which is right around uh, my 35th birthday or really 39th birthday. It was pretty close to my 39th birthday when I started yoga. And I started like intense yoga because I was used to like weightlifting and doing sports and things like that. And then I, I kept hurting myself even in yoga. So I started trying other types of yoga. And really for about four or five years, I was using yoga as stretching, but I wasn't really uh, paying much attention to that minute of meditation in the beginning or that shavasana at the end. I was just kind of plowing through doing what I was doing. And my back problems were better, but I, um, I was still sort of hurting myself uh, because my, my ego was still sort of pushing me through. And uh, then as Fred alluded, when I turned 45, uh, about one week later, uh, I was playing tennis and I had started playing tournament tennis again. And so I was playing in a tournament and I played a little bit more than I would on a normal day. And uh, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. So all of a sudden, it was one of those things. It was a classic. You know, I, I turned around to see who might have thrown a ball that hit me in the back of my leg. And then all of a sudden, just sort of went down. Um, and back then, I didn't have a, a home office set up like I do now where, you know, I could just bring my laptop, my stuff, keep going. Um, I, I had a desktop back then. Um, and I used to do, you know, all or most of my work at the office. So I actually was off for about 10 weeks. Um, and I had to keep my leg raised and it was a little much to, to go to Princeton. And I started reading a little bit about meditation, reading a little bit about Buddhism, uh, and started a daily practice that I continued to today. So, so that 45 year old Mark, I'm glad you, because I jumped ahead of this. But that journey that you had from 45 to 50, and, you know, there's so many, um, you know, society, you hit that magical age of 50, which now is the new 30, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're turning that. But you wanted to share this uh, experience, but you had self-doubt. Uh, you were nervous. Um, you weren't sure what to do with this. And so these things were stirring up. And you, you speak in the book about intuition, gut feelings. And so... How did it, that intuition and gut feeling that took you from that five years of experience after your unfortunate Achilles um, situation catapulted you to why we're here today? What was that, that uh, epiphical moment when you turned 50 that took you to that next level of sharing? Yeah, and I don't know if that had the same type of epiphical moment that the you know, Achilles tendon rupture did, but what, what I started noticing was that through my dad, you know, we, we spend so much of our time, you know, dwelling on the past or looking forward to the future that we, we don't spend as big a percentage of our time uh, sort of living in the present. And, and that's really what meditation teaches us. So meditation is, is just a practice of, of living in the present and paying attention to your breath, noticing when you stray, coming back to the breath, 
And coming back to the breath can be a metaphor really to coming back to what's important. And so through the meditation practice, I learned to sort of come back to what's important. And what's often important is, you know, your relationships, right? And they're your personal relationships, your family relationships, your client relationships, what your clients are, are, are you know, what, you, what I've been working on. And, and so what, without really setting an intention, I just started being a little more in the present moment. I became more aware, more observant. Um, and that helped me improve my connections. Um, and my legal practice tripled and sort of has remained at that tripled level for the last 10 years. And it, it wasn't really, it, it happened because, not because I meditate, but because of the benefits that came from meditation. So I was telling someone the other day, I don't meditate to become a better medita meditator. I meditate to become the best version of myself. And the best version of myself really started to come out during those years. And then I was able to be sort of more in the, in the flow. And like when I used to play tennis, I used to call it being in the zone, you know, where, where you're really um, there. And, uh, you know, it really reminded me, uh, you know, the best match I ever played in, in tennis. I was in a tournament when I was a teenager and I was injured. And I was playing someone who was uh, like the 10th ranked player in New York. And, uh, and, and I, I won that match injured because I was paying so much attention because the injury was keeping me sort of in the zone. Like I couldn't, I couldn't leave it. My mind didn't wander. I was just trying to get point to point. Um, and that's really what I started doing more is, is really paying more attention in, in every conversation, you know, to each person that my intuition said was important um, to me. Um, and, and good things just started happening. I just want to I just want to ask Fred a question real quick here because this is this is important. So Fred was on the podcast uh, last year, and so what is your saying about being present? Oh, um, oh boy! I know I'm putting you on the spot. It's something about being in the presence of others, right? Yeah, uh, being present in the presence of another is a present. It's a gift. It's a gift of kindness. And if you think about it, it's not only, I like what Steve is saying, it's not only a gift of kindness to the other person, but really to yourself as well, because when you're present in the presence of another, you're really there in tune with their whole spirit, body, and mind. And, and Steve, I think that's that connection part that you're talking about. And if you can connect with yourself more deeply, then everything else flows from that. Is that, is that what you're yeah, saying? And, yeah, and what's amazing is that it's just amazing theoretically that a, a practice that seems so solitary can help you with your, you know, connections with, with others. Um, but, you know, when you're, when you're meditating, um, you're, you're listening to yourself. Right. And, you know, you, what I like to say is that when the, the chatter of the mind sort of subsides a little bit and you're in that more calm about abiding mind, the, the wisdom just comes through. The things that are important seem to have a way of coming through. And, and you learn to listen, right? So in, instead of normally, you know, your mind's going bop, 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 bop. You're, you're going bop, 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 right? Trying to do, do, do. When, you, when you're sitting, you know, you're, you're listening, you're observing in the present moment and hopefully with your full attention. And 
you, you really, the important things are the, are the things that seem to come through. And then you can later act on those things. And uh, it really makes a tremendous difference. So Steve, I, you know, years ago, my dad was very much into meditation way before it was kind of on the popular, more popular side. Right. And so he would he would be able to go into the zone and he would try when I was young, teenager, whatever, to get me to do the same. And I would look at him and I'd go, I, I, I'm more of a Zumba person, forget right. yoga. And right. So trying to sit down for five minutes was insanely difficult. He passes away. And then all of a sudden I'm being pulled right to do meditation where I never thought I could. Wow. And it was very hard to get into that zone. So I wanted to ask you this question. We've got listeners right now who probably just like I was. It was hard, hard to sit still for that long. My mind just can't calm down. ADHD, ADD, whatever have you. What is your message to those people? How do we get them there? It shouldn't take like my father, uh, you know, some tragedy to get people to, to meditate. It should be happening because we want it to. Sure. Well, I think there are three reasons why people don't meditate. Um, because we who meditate sort of realize how wonderful it is and wonder, well, why isn't everyone doing this? Um, and I think there are three fundamental reasons. One is lack of exposure. So not everyone wanders into a yoga studio before, you know, because they had debilitating back pain or wandering a yoga studio for whatever reason. Um, and honestly, if I didn't have to, I, I probably wouldn't have either, right? So that's not a judgment. It's just a question of what we're, we, we become exposed to, um, you know, or a Buddhist ashram, you know, that, you know, that's not a large percentage of the United States. The second is when, when we get exposed, um, it's, it's often in a language that doesn't resonate with us. So it's not in a, uh, you know, most m many people in the United States have a, a Judeo-Christian upbringing. Um, and some of the language that's used in, in yoga and meditation and, you know, Buddhism and, and Sanskrit words, you know, might turn people off. And that, ha that happened to me, too. Uh, I'll tell that a little story a little later um, if we get to it. Um, but the third reason is most people have a fundamental misunderstanding of what meditation is. So I still go into a group of whatever, 20 people, and 18 of them have a fundamental misunderstanding of what meditation is and what everyone else is doing. Because what most people think is if there's 20 people that have their eyes closed and they're sitting there and look like they're meditating, that everyone else but them has a completely quiet mind while their mind continues to create thoughts and do different things. And so they come to the conclusion that they can't meditate. But meditation is not completely quieting your mind. First of all, you can't control your mind, right? You, your mind creates thoughts like your stomach digests food and your lungs breathe air. You can't eat your breakfast and say, stomach, don't digest that food, right? You can't say to your mind, I'm going to meditate now. Don't create thoughts. But that doesn't work. Um, what meditation is, is being in the present moment with your full attention and without judgment. And when you're sitting, what you're doing is you're just sitting in the present moment with your full attention and without judgment. And you notice your breath. You might notice your nose itch. You might notice your arm hurt. All of that is good, right? So you just notice and you let that go and you notice what thoughts pop into your head and you just let those go you say oh that's interesting um and then you might focus back on your breath and and after you get in you know what we called a moment ago the zone or that meditative state 
then all of a sudden what you find it's miraculous which is that the most important thing seemed to pop up in the pause seemed to pop up in the silence and you, you can let those you can observe and let those go you can let them go in a little bit of a for, for a couple minutes, couple seconds, couple minutes, and, and see where those that process goes. And whenever you're ready, you can focus again on your breath and sort of start again. And that's really what happens um, during meditation, is you try and keep in that, that present full attention, observing what is happening. And then the hardest part, which we can talk about uh, later, is the without judgment. Yeah, no, actually, I wouldn't mind if you brought up a little bit more about that right now, because I think that's that's the key, right? I mean, I talk about this on the podcast all the time. If we would allow ourselves to stop judging each other, we could be more vulnerable and feel more connected because my whole platform, as we know we're going to get into this, has always been about connection. Ham 10 is a leader in IT enterprise solutions and staffing. They are driven to transform their clients' business performances. They do this every day by providing their clients with the best services and products. Products like BizLego, an online community platform, and Colear, a unique learning management system. They also transform the lives of women and children through their associated nonprofits, SheTech, which supports women in and joining the technology field, and Softkin, support organization for kids in need. Pam 10 technology for social good. Go to pam10.com for more information. In order for us to get to this space of vulnerability, we have to stop judging ourselves and each other. So if you wouldn't mind, I would love for you to expand on the judgment piece. Sure. So just like I said, you know, in solitary, we, we listen to what comes through and then that helps us listen to others. If we can be more compassionate and less judgmental about ourselves, we can be more compassionate and empathetic and less judgmental of others. And so for me, the breakthrough, and this was, it was about two years uh, into my meditation practice. Um, I was at a meditation retreat and the, the, the instructor, the facilitator was giving us guidance uh, uh, that was supposed to help us really stay focused on our breath, not lose the, that focus. And so I was sitting there in meditation and, you know, I lost focus on my breath. My mind went, you know, in a particular place. I became aware that my mind had come, come to that particular, to the particular place. And I started screaming at myself in my mind. I started saying, Steve, you idiot. You're here at a meditation retreat. You can't even quiet your mind wow. you know, for 15 minutes here, you know. And then all of a sudden, I noticed that he had said to do it without judgment. And I started screaming at myself in my mind for having judged myself, for having, um, yeah, having lost attention to my breath. So I had these two screamings going on and with being just, I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, how often am I just so self-critical, so lacking in self-compassion, so judgmental about myself that it actually interferes with what I was trying to do. And, you know, I, I never, after that moment, I never did that again, right? I, I was much more compassionate. I, I will lose attention. Um, and, and the other thing that I realized, um, once I had become a, just a tiny bit more compassionate, was focusing on my breath for me is not enough. So, you know, 
all you know most of the meditation teachers they start with you know focus on your breath focus on your breath and so a lot of people feel they can't meditate because like me focusing on my breath is not enough so i very often as a technique would use a second focus so whether that's counting so for a while what i was doing was i would start someone taught me this technique i would start at at 50 and I would count backwards on each breath by twos until I got to 40 and then by ones and then by twos. And the reason you go twos, ones, twos is because you have to pay sufficient attention, right? You have to still paying attention, full attention in order to switch. And, with, and then you still stay on your breath. And it took me well over a year of that practice to get to zero. Mm -hmm. Because every, oh, every time that I, I lost attention on the number and the breath, I'd start over again. And, and that was, it's sort of like, you know, walking and chewing gum, right? Doing two things is, is different than doing one. And John Gruden, who was a, a, a football coach for the uh, Oakland Raiders, um, his term, term didn't end well. But what, what he did was for himself and he taught others is he would start 100 at 150 and count backwards by three on each breath because you really have to pay attention and I saw him, he was on hard knocks. He was teaching the football players, you know, on each breath to count sort of backwards by threes. Um, but it was in order to, you know, to keep that attention and also really stressing that you're going to lose it, right? You start 150 and count backwards by threes. You're probably not making it to zero for a lifetime, but you have to be compassionate. It's a practice um, and, and you keep trying. Uh, the other thing that, I really started to do is mantra meditation. So, you know, mantra meditation is a focus on a word or phrase. Um, and I've had various mantras uh, that have worked for me, you know, in my lifetime. Um, and with, with each, in, in a breath sequence, I would say the mantra along with my breath. And that really blocked out the other thoughts. And then at some point, I would just merge into the breath um, and then if I needed to pick it up because my mind strayed to somewhere I didn't like, I would pick up that mantra again. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, um, it, it is a practice. Jody, can I follow up with this? Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. You know, so your book, I, I love the fact that you said um, how meditation, this journey has um, just took your business to a different level. Yeah. And the book speaks about leadership, awareness, are the pillars, awareness, connection, perspective, and potential. But what I heard, you know, Jody brought up vulnerability. And I, there's, I want to read a statement from your book, uh, Steve. And, you know, I'm thinking these, these two screaming matches at you that helped you realize, I think there may be a sense of vulnerability there. But let me just read. Um, you wrote, vulnerability is the deepest strength of a leader. Change occurs within vulnerability. Without risk, there is no change. Without change, there is no growth. In that moment of that screaming match, you know, um, that mindfulness just took you to a different level and accepting the fact that vulnerability is a strength. Can you yeah. expand upon that and then how that, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, how, how often do we all, you know, keep doing the same things and having the same results? Right. And, you know, we do that individually. We do that as teams. We do that as organizations. And 
often the reason we do that is to protect ourselves, right? It's, you know, if we need to do something differently, that by definition means we're not doing everything perfectly right now. Um, and really that, that and, and why do we care so much if we're determined not to be doing everything perfectly right now? Because we're very judgmental and we lack compassion you know, to ourselves, right? And so once you start to have a little bit more compassion, a little bit more acceptance of the fact that you know, you're not doing everything perfectly, uh, the people around you are not doing everything perfectly, you know, your organization, um, as a whole, is not doing everything perfectly. And that's, even if you make some changes, it's still probably not going to be doing everything perfectly, right? So if, if you drop that as a judgment, drop that as a criticism, drop that as a, you know, we don't want to discover that, then a tremendous amount of growth can occur. A tremendous amount um, can be uncovered. Um, and if the people on your team can be more vulnerable and, and really express, uh, you know, where there are things that can be done differently. And it's really hard to do, right? It's easier to say these words than it is in, in, in real life. Um, but we, we try our best and, 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 and that's what the really, you know, as we, the magic that comes from meditation practice, because you, you just start to do these things without having to say, I'm going to do these things. Um, because they're just, they become ingrained through your, your daily practice. Um, and, and it's really amazing. Go ahead, Fred. Were you going to say something? Yeah, no, that's great. Cause it's, you know, what you're talking about is, uh, building the mind muscle mm -hmm. versus the brain muscle. And you, you also talk, and thank you for that answer that, that helped clarify and I'm, um, sharing that. Uh, but there is a difference between the mind and the brain. And you speak about that. Um, within your book there is and and the body right so so you know we go to the gym to train our body right we go to the gym you know in order to to get ourselves healthy and in the best possible shape and and meditation is that type of training for the mind um and it really is uh yeah we don't we don't spend the same percentage of time right uh when we think about health uh, on the mind as we do the body, but there's a mental health crisis in this country, right? That, you know, we, we really need to spend more time, uh, you know, helping ourselves, you know, train our mind, get our mind in the best possible shape. Um, and, and really, you know, there are a variety of, of, you know, everyone has different issues. You know, me meditation is not therapy. Meditation is not deal with, you know, psychological issues. But, but it can be a tool that can help uh, everybody, people with um, those types of issues and, and people without those types of issues. So um, it it's really can become a very valuable tool uh, for everyone once you realize what meditation is um, and, and really have a comfortable atmosphere to practice. Um, in Meditation for Leadership, we have one-on-one uh, -on -one mentors that help people um, develop their meditation practice to break through their own barriers. I think everyone needs a teacher. At least I need a teacher. I shouldn't say everyone. You know, I need a teacher. You know, there, there are always, obviously there are these apps where you can practice, but I, I saw the statistics on the apps are unbelievable in terms of, 
you know, the number of people who sign up, use it for seven days, use it for 30 days or use it for more, you know, a tremendous, tremendous percentage of the people that have apps, you know, use it for less than 30 days and then continue to pay for it. So it's a good business model, but it's not, it's very hard to go from not meditating to meditating, just using an app, but for those that can and those who do, it's wonderful. And it's, they're great reinforcement techniques, but most people need a teacher, need a, need a group, need some structure. Um, in developing the practice. You. you know, I, I wanted you to talk about meditation for leadership because I think it's it's important, you know, not a lot of businesses, you, you know, do this with their with their employees and, and understand how important this practice is. And you talk about how much it's helped your business growth. If a, if a leader of an organization is listening right now, can you share the benefits and what you've seen and how it's helped to shape organizations even better? Sure. Our, our website is, is meditation, the number four, leadership.org um, and we provide so remember how I was saying that you know people don't go into a, a yoga studio or a Buddhist ashram and learn how to do that so so one of my thoughts in terms of well how can I contribute to the world uh, and what can we do differently is we need to bring we need to bring this to people where they are right and so one of the places that we are right is at work um, and so, you know, if we can bring it to people, expose people, you know, get them started, then they can go on their own journey from there. Um, and so uh, we're on our 28th month at Verizon and the Verizon Administrative Group. Um, that, that's our longest sort of continuing customer and 28 months of sort of different programming. Um, and, and the, the, the we, we go from a, a five part introductory session to a, a 13 part uh, effective leadership trait session which tracks the book to leading consciously which is which is the year that follows so once you've developed a uh, meditation practice you know how does that apply into your leadership and your growth um, and, and they we, we get hundreds of people um, on these programs we've it's really been very sticky um, they felt that it really has helped them. Um, and then help recruiting retention and and what the, the person who's the sponsor who's a wonderful guy and um, uh, yeah had a meditation practice before we started this because so he knew a lot of the benefits he said that he'll, uh, people will often come up to him that he didn't even remember were on the session or this and that and they'll talk about things and how they applied it at Verizon or he, he was in an interview once with someone who um, just started talking about the program to a new recruit. And he was like, oh, wow, I guess. And how meaningful it had been in their life. And he had no idea, right? So, um, you know, once if we can meet people where they are and get involved, um, you know, it can re really be a tremendous difference. We've been in small companies. We've been in larger companies. Um, and once people see what the benefits are, um, and it's relatively inexpensive, but these big companies, you know, everything's about budgets, fitting this into a budget. We don't have a budget. But if you see what the benefits are, you know, it far outweighs the modest cost of bringing it in. And people appreciate it. First of all, people appreciate you just thinking about them, right? People appreciate that you care about their, their development, their welfare. Um, and then just like me, the benefits kind of creep in, right? So people come in for the stress relief. They, they find the leadership benefits and the, and the personal relationship benefits all along the way. 
Yeah, Jody, and if I could jump in here that, uh, you know, the Food Bank of South Jersey has been on a mindfulness journey and actually the meditation for leadership. Um, last fall, uh, we did have a, a workshop session with our staff, uh, with uh, Steve's group and leadership, and uh, we're looking to continue that uh, because uh, we felt it was very positive for our staff uh, and, and you know, the journey that our staff is on in serving the community. So, uh, yes, I if there's an endorsement, it's right here. <laughs> Thank you. That's that. That is wonderful. So talk to us a little bit. And I, I know, Fred, we, you were going to you might have been asking this question, but I, I'm curious now at this stage, like about your meditation practice and what sure. you do. Sure. So um, I, I go in streaks. So um, and right now uh, I'm on a, a mantra meditation streak. And I, I really as we started the new year. Um, I really wanted to sort of step back um, and gain some perspective and really sort of see what came through for, for sort of my next chapter. So, so my mantra right now, it, it's based on a, a, a sort of traditional mantra, but I, I changed it um, because I always do. Um, and, and it's be the change you want to see both in the world and within you. So it flows on the breath, be the change you want to see both in the world and within you. And so I'll, I'll say it on the breath and pause and just see what comes through and then say it on the breath and pause and what's see it on the through. And what's the great thing about mantra meditations? And there's many mantras as there probably are people in the world, right? So you, you can develop anything that can be based on a prayer or a song or just to be or, or, or lot, there are lots of different things you can use as your mantra, but a great mantra is, is rhythmic, right? It has, it, and, and it has meaning. So that, that's why I like this mantra. It's, it's rhythmic, you know, works on the breath and, and has meaning to me. Um, and so uh, that's what I've been doing lately. Uh, uh, you know, one of the most life-changing um, mantra is, is was a loving kindness mantra. So uh, the, I, I think that was probably one of my breakthrough practices, you know, where I really found that it, it impacted my relationship development. Um, and my, my, um, the way you do with a loving kindness mantra is you, you have the mantra, you say it first about yourself, then traditionally in Buddhist teaching about a teacher um, and then about people you feel positively about people you feel negatively, uh, people you feel neutrally about people you feel uh, negatively about or have some negative feeling about, and then uh, all people. So um, when the, the story that I like to tell is that uh yeah, I love my parents. I, I have wonderful parents. You asked me about my childhood. Uh, yeah. And as I grew older, you know, I found that when my mother called me, I would instantly sort of tense up and I would be like, oh, my mother's calling me. And um, she would say hello. And I would express attitude in my voice. 
right? Just already, right? So she got me at hello. She actually got me before hello. She got me when I saw her number, right, on the phone. And so we had this dynamic where all she would say is hello. I would come back annoyed. She would then come back to my annoyance annoyed. And we had this little dance that was, was not productive. So when I went, I went to a loving kindness meditation, uh, you know, weekend, uh, I developed my loving kindness meditation. And, you know, when I would, one of the things you're supposed to do is not sort of plan who you're going to you know, focus on when you're, you're saying the mantra. And, and so you let it come to you. So the, um, you know, I would go, my family would often come to me first when I was on the positive uh, people. And so, you know, my wife, my kids, my parents. Um, and then on, on the people with whom I have difficulty, right? My mother would come back and I would say the mantra again and, and try and sort of release some of that difficulty. So I was doing that every day. I, I just, as part of the, the retreat, we were supposed to do it every day for a month. So about three weeks in, my, and I didn't tell my parents, I don't think they knew I went on a meditation retreat, let alone I did loving kindness or any of this stuff. So, um, the, so my mother says to me, you know, I really love how much our relationship has improved. improved. I said, what? She said, well, lately, you know, you've been asking about me. You've been you know, listening to what I've been saying. I, I really felt that, uh, that our relationship has gotten so much better. I said, really? Um, and, and, um, and then from there, it never went back, right? I, I mean, my mother still annoys me, but, but she actually has to do something <laughs> to annoy me, right? So she doesn't annoy me at hello. She has to actually do something. But um, it really has been life-changing, you know, in that relationship. And then, you know, there are other stories I can tell, but um, I think that one serves the point. Wow. You know, that's, the, the, in, yeah. the book, in the book is my loving kindness meditation. Um, you know, if you want to take a look at it, it's under that section. So, again, it's a variation of a traditional loving kindness a meditation that, that, that worked for me. That's a great story. Um, God bless your mom. Yeah. She's 85. She's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, you, you just quickly uh, mentioned the book. Um, I, I encourage anyone uh, who's on a journey of leadership, growth mindset, uh, but how mindfulness. That book is so well written. Uh, so logically laid out with application uh, using mindfulness and different techniques and practices just to help through a leadership. Uh, and just the, the uh, research that you have done and brought other, uh, you know, skilled mindset uh, individuals into your uh, book. But the four pillars, awareness, connections, perspective, and potential. Um, Steve, out of those four pillars, which one means the most to you? And why? So, um, I, I'm going to go backwards a, a moment um, to answer that question. Uh, okay. You know, along my journey, uh, you know, I, I talked about my 40th birthday, my Achilles break, that I was reading about meditation and uh, a little bit about Buddhism. So, there's a Buddhist ashram near here. 
Um, and I started going, they, they have a, they're open Saturdays, but one month, one day a month. And my wife and I started going and, and going for meditations. And, um, yeah, you go in and, and you sort of, you, know, you bow, there's Ganesh, they talk about, you know, different Sanskrit things. And, and you know, we like them. I like the meditation, but there, it just create. there was a dissonance that was created, um, in some aspects of the, of the traditions. That, that didn't make me feel fully comfortable. And I, I at some point was like, this isn't where I'm going to go, you know, for the, for the rest of my practice. Um, and I wandered into um, an introduction to Kabbalah class. Um, that was interestingly taught by a rabbi who years later became a, a Buddhist monk, but um, that's an aside. Um, but um, in Kabbalah, they talk about the four worlds of uh, their physical world, your emotional world, your mental world, and your spiritual world, right? And, and, and the epiphany of Kabbalah is unlike Buddhism, which was an eight-part linear path. Um, in Kabbalah, there are these four worlds, and they're happening contemporaneously. So you live contemporaneously in your physical world, your emotional world, your mental world, and your spiritual world. And they, they sort of tie together like concentric circles, right? And that's how I think about awareness, connection, perspective, and potential, right? They're not really separate. They're really concentric circles that work together and are interdependent. And, and one requires the other. Um, and so um, I, I think, you know, without building awareness, but without building awareness, none of the rest of it is possible um, because it's building awareness that allowed you to develop the sort of listening and empathy and, you know, knowing when to express gratitude and the, the things that help you develop those relationships, those connections. Um, and, it, you know, it's the awareness and the relationships uh, that help you realize that you're something bigger than yourself, that re realize, you know, that perspective. Um, that will allow you to sort of step back and see things. And when you, you see things with perspective and awareness um, and with connection, then you can realize your potential. Mm. So, so it really all goes together, um, you know, okay. as, you, as you move forward. Um, yeah. and, and thank you for mentioning the book. The easiest way to get to the book is to type leading from within Cohen. There's a few leading from within books and there's a lot of Cohen books. But if you said there's only one leading from within Cohen books on Amazon, it's the easiest way to get it. Or you can order it off our website. But honestly, on Amazon, it comes faster. <laughs> What's the website again, Steve? Meditation, the number four, leadership.org. And you can learn about our, our, our corporate program, personal program. One of the things this is great for is corporate retreats. You know, we often have these corporate retreats. Everyone gets together. The real purpose is team building and bonding. It's not really substance. And then you're like, well, what are we going to do all day to do team building and bonding? But doing a half a day meditation retreat, it's just an awesome way of sort of spending your time, adding some value. Um, and then people will often start the monthly program after the retreat, you know, if there's sufficient interest and there usually is. That's great. That's great. I know we're I know we're running short on time, and I, I want to make sure that um, we get anything else in that you are interested in sharing before before I ask you our my last question. Yeah, no, I would say, you know, the 
come back to what we talked about as the principle, right? Being present with your full attention and without judgment. Uh, and show, really focus on that without judgment. It's the hardest part. Be compassionate towards yourself. You know, give it a try. If it doesn't work for you the first time, give it another try. And just try and find the right technique that works for you. I have 45 different techniques in the book, right? So focusing on the breath didn't work for me, right? So maybe you need counting. Maybe you need to even out your breath instead of just focusing on your breath because that, that does it. Maybe a mantra uh, of some kind, you know, maybe an app, right? Maybe, a, you know, an explorational journey on an app is what works for you. You know, keep trying. Um, the, you'll, you'll find the right thing for you at this time. And that might not be the same thing that's right for you, you know, three years ago when you tried it or three years from now. Um, so you have to practice. Fred, anything else that you want to add before I ask the last question? No, I, I this was been just an incredible honor, Steve, and uh, how time being present with you, time has gone by very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Joy and I were comparing some notes earlier, and uh, it's amazing how we came up with something very similar in the last question. But Jody, this is your show, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to hear the answer. Just before you start the last question, I, I just wanted to add, because you said time had moved so quickly, just for those who wonder, you know, when you first start to meditate, two minutes can seem like a lifetime. Yeah. And when you're meditating for a while, you know, 20 minutes can seem like a moment. So... Try to let go of this concept of time during your meditation practice. Um, and, and you'll find that, you know, that the time construct really fades away uh, once you've practiced for a little while. I also want to mention, too, that you mentioned in the very beginning, you know, back pain manifested itself because of other things that were happening in your life. So it, that, it, that, that connection to yourself when it's not, when it's not, when you're not connected to yourself, I should say, other things can manifest and we may not even realize it. So being present and listening to yourself and giving yourself the opportunity to meditate, you, you know, if you're listening to this as a listener, there's a reason you're hearing this message, you know, and please share the message with others because you don't know what they're going through as well. So I think, you know, um, there, we, we all agree that the, everything happens for a reason. And if you're listening, there's a reason why you're listening to this. Um, so, Steve, my last question is the last question I ask every single guest for the year. And so you uh, you're one of my one of my first within the first month uh, guests to answer this. And I think this is important. What is a lesson that you have learned that you could share with a young change maker or someone who's seasoned? It would be kind of a lesson that anyone could take away from that you've learned along the way. Yeah, I think that, you know, the biggest lesson um, that I've learned is to be open to new opportunities. And, to, and you know, we, we talked about awareness a moment ago. I think so many of us have the ability to make change. And maybe these opportunities you know, come up and we just kind of let them go. But, you know, when, when you become aware of something that you can add value to, that will make a difference. And your intuition, as Fred said, is telling you that, you know, this is this, this would be positive, then do it, you know, break down the barriers that are preventing you from, from doing that. 
and just go with it. And you might not know where that's going to go. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, th th there's a great. I, I forgot who created it, but it's this plot of life that says we think life's going to go like this, but life really goes like this. Right. With dot points like this. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. so, so, uh, you know, if it feels right to you and you really feel that you're adding, it could add value to the world and you can do it, you know, and that's going to be important, then maintain the perspective to, to try it, to go for it. May or may not work out the way you originally thought, but generally uh, when, when you follow that path towards something positive, something positive happens. Kind of an incredible thing for you to say, because I wanted to start this podcast seven years ago. Didn't didn't do it. Started it from nothing out of all of a sudden my intuition giving me that hit. Mm. And now it's been downloaded in 582 cities around the world. But I never thought it would happen and how it would happen. So that's why I say that not to be boastful. It's just yeah. for other people who are listening that when you get that intuitive hit, yeah. it, it really when it's time, it's pulling you hard. Yeah, you and were so born. To, yeah, you were born to do this. You're doing a great job, and, and we really appreciate you bringing me along. Appreciate you bringing Fred along. Um, and, yes. and Fred, by the way, has done amazing things at the South Jersey Food Bank over the last five years. I mean, yes. it real for people really in need. That has really made a difference in the world. I, I thank you for that, Fred. Well, they broke you. the they broke the mold well, with Fred. That that's for sure. And he is our he is our inspired change for those who are listening. Twenty twenty three, March twenty third, twenty twenty three. We have our International Change Makers Forum. Uh, I, I hopefully coming soon. We'll have an announcement. Um, and Steve will be a part of the event as well. And um, but Fred is our inspired change honoree for all the work that he's done, the mentorship he's given me. He's an incredible human being. So um, I'm grateful. So you can purchase tickets at todaysthedayliveit.com. It's going to be six panel discussions, a mission and a mission moment, a global mission moment, and then also keynote speaker and an international networking. It's an incredible opportunity to meet people you would not normally meet and to get vulnerable because we say bring your A game of authenticity, not your A game of armor. So uh, we're, I'm so excited. Fred, before we go, I'm going to ask you, and I know I'm doing this really off the cuff here, a lesson you want to share that you've learned that you could share with the with the audience? Uh, from this conversation? A, le a lesson that you learned that you could share with a young change maker that they could take away from. Uh, yeah, I, you know, vulnerability. Uh, I think a lot of people struggle with vulnerability and, you know, the ego. Steve mentioned the ego and and you, if you, the more you're present with yourself and that awareness, you'll be aware of that ego that gets in the way. Uh, and vulnerability goes a long way in those connections. And uh, so, uh, and that's a practice. And, and so um, uh, thank you for that reminder, Steve. And that's, you know, just be your true self and be vulnerable and uh, let people know that your true self is just, it's okay. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you. Thank you to my co-host this week, Fred Waziak, and thank you to Stephen Cohn for being our guest. So, so appreciate it. I'm going to say what I say at the end of every single podcast. Today is the day. You cannot go back to yesterday and you do not yet own tomorrow. So what small or large steps are you taking today to get yourself closer to your goals? Fred and Steve, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Steve. Thank you, Fred. Have Thank a you. great week, everyone.